Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Well, blessings, everyone. This is Dale. Yes, it's me. I'm still sort of suffering from the ravages of the common code, as they say. <clears throat> so forgive me as I sort of clear my throat quite often. Uh, feeling better than I was, so that's always good. You know, I always thought that it was better to uh, feel uh, good, even though you're sick, right? It's nothing worse than sounding great and wonderful, but feeling really bad. So anyway, what we've been examining of late has been what the Lord has told us through His Word related to spiritual gifts. And so we're in 1 Corinthians 14. So let's just jump into it. We've been uh, talking about what Paul has said related to the gifts of prophecy and the gifts of tongue. And he says, I wish that you all would prophesy. And then he sort of sh uh, showed us by using these, this example <clears throat> that there was a problem going on within the body. And we're about to see more and more about this as we go further through the chapter. Uh, people were exalting their gifts more than they were exalting the Lord. <laughs> like we never see that today, right? <clears throat> yeah. They were exalting their gifts far more than they were the Lord. And the Lord himself was the one that was giving the gifts. And so it was particularly prevalent with those that had the gifts of tongues and the gift of prophecy. <clears throat> and so uh, let's just jump in. Where was I going to start? Uh, <clears throat> verse 13. Uh, uh, is that where I want to start? Yeah, 13. And therefore, let one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. Remember, we spoke about that last time. He says, if you're speaking in the tongue, pray that the Lord would give you the interpretation or somebody else the interpretation, because the whole point of the gifts is for the common good and the building up and the edifying the body of Christ. Verse 14, <clears throat> Paul says this, for I pray in a tongue. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. And a lot of times people uh, will make all sorts of fun about this and go, well, that's what's going on. It's just a bunch of psychobabble speaking. No, no, no. <clears throat> he says you're praying in the spirit and your mind is unfruitful from the point of view. You don't, your mind doesn't know what you're saying when you're praying in this way. So if someone's speaking forth a word in an unknown language, by definition, it's unknown. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what's being spoken. So my mind is not being fruitful, though we've already seen that it edifies and builds up the individual and the spirit. So Paul says, well, what's the outcome then? This is verse 15. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the mind also. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the mind also. Well, that opens up another whole can of worms right there, doesn't it? <clears throat> for the modern church today. Paul says, I, I will do both. I will pray with the Spirit. I'm going to pray with my mind also. In other words, Paul, and he's about to tell us that I speak in tongues more than all y'all. <clears throat> he said, but I'm going to pray in the Spirit, and I'm going to pray with the mind. I'm going to sing with the Spirit. There's times when the unknown language comes as a song. Okay, Someone will start singing in an unknown language. If there's freedom within the body of Christ, it is a wonderful and a beautiful and a marvelous thing. I had uh, This happened to a friend of mine. He said it one Sunday. They were in a time of worship, and you have to give room for this, okay? You just can't sit there and say, okay, let's sing hymn number 232. Y'all sit down. Y'all stand up. Let's sing 349. No, you have to give room for this within the body. But it's not the kind of thing, okay, it's time for y'all to stand up. Who wants to sing in the tongue? 
No, it's not like that. You give room as the flow of the Spirit and the flow of the worship. <clears throat> and when you start giving room and calling upon the name of the Lord, He will start doing things like this. So one Sunday, a lady started just singing, my friend said, the most glorious song he'd ever heard. He didn't know what the words are because she was singing in an unknown tongue. He said, but she had a phenomenal voice and she was just singing this wonderful thing. Well, most of the body there didn't know what she was saying, though it was beautiful. Okay, But their minds were not fruitful because they didn't have a knowledge as to what she was saying. He said that she reached the end of it and she was on one side of the gathering. He said a few moments later, another lady on another side of the gathering started singing and picked up the melodic idea and started singing the words and language that people understood. She interpreted it through song also. And my friend said it was one of the most powerful things he'd ever experienced, the most, one of the most powerful moves of God. And so I think that's what Paul's saying. I will sing with the Spirit, and I also sing, will sing with the mind also. Now, verse 16, he tells us why this is important. Otherwise, if you bless in the Spirit only, in other words, if you speak only in the unknown language, how will the one who fills the place of the ungifted say the amen at the end of your giving of thanks, since he does not know what you're saying? So he's saying, in other words, if you do this just in the spirit and you bring forth this unknown language, and even though it's a wonderful word of giving thanks, how is the one who doesn't have that gift, it doesn't mean unsaved, it just means they don't have that gift of the spirit. How are they going to give thanks if they don't know what you're really saying? Totally makes sense, right? Verse 17, for you're giving thanks well enough, for the other, but the other person is not edified. He says, it's great that you're giving thanks, and that's good, that's well enough but the other person is not edified. They're not built up. So when we gather together and we're worshiping like this, the individuals are edified as we're worshiping God, okay, as we're worshiping God. And this reveals so much of what is incorrect about our corporate worship today and the way we go about things. <clears throat> Paul then throws down this gauntlet because verse four, uh, 18, he says, I thank God. I speak in tongues more than you all. Well, why in the world would he say that? Because he knew how the people who were speaking in tongues were going to react. They were going to say, oh, well, Paul probably doesn't have that gift, and he probably hasn't experienced it, and he doesn't know what it's like. And so, you know, a lot of times people say, well, I just can't control it. I just have to do it. No, if you can't control it, then you better check of what spirit it is that you're speaking because you can <clears throat> control. You can release the Holy Spirit. You can quench the Holy Spirit. Okay, Paul says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. And I'm going to finish the sentence in just a moment. But again, I mentioned this several episodes back. Whenever you see Paul speaking of the gifts and the things that he's doing, you see that he had moved in a lot of these gifts. When I looked at it, uh, this several years ago, I was sort of curious about this. I sort of think that Paul moved and functioned within all the gifts of the Spirit as you see them delineated within the Word of God. Okay. Now, I don't know if I can go through every jot and tittle of it, but you see him functioning within a lot of them, if not all of them. And I sort of say that because a lot of times, as I've said before, people will say, oh, well, the Lord's only giving you one or two gifts, maybe three, and that's it. No, he's given us the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit releases his gifting as he desires, not after somebody gets finished counting off how many they've observed in my life. Okay? So Paul says, I speak in tongues more than you all, verse 19, however... In the church, I desire to speak five words with my mind so that I may instruct others rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. 
So that helps us understand what he was saying at the beginning, that I wish you all would prophesy. He said, I wish you all would do this. The idea being the upbuilding, the edification, the encouragement, the exhortation of the body of Christ. And that the Holy Spirit will do this to the common good. I'd rather speak forth five words that I know are going to speak to the mind and speak to the body of Christ than 10,000 words that I may be speaking in the tongue, but I'm not sure if the Lord is going to give me an interpretation or if somebody else is going to have the interpretation. So does that mean that if I'm not certain that I don't need to speak it forth? No, 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 no. We still need to speak it forth. That's the reason he said that if you do this, pray that the Lord will give you the interpretation. Okay? That's the reason he said that, to where we will know what is being said. We will understand the idea, again, being that the entire body of Christ is edified by the complete functioning of the Spirit of the Lord as He desires to do at that moment, at that day, at that time. I suspect that most of our corporate gatherings would be highly different than they are now if we would simply do what the Lord tells us to do. Again, I'm Dale. Thank you so much for being with me, and I'll see you again next time. Goodbye.